Greetings in Christ Jesus and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples podcast. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us today. Today is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined again today by Pastor Neil Radical and our vicar, Paul Agenton. How are you gentlemen doing today? Blessed. Doing well. Yeah, doing good well. to be here. Yeah, we've had some beautiful weather lately. Uh, summer in Minnesota, all the lake life and all that. I got out camping last weekend. Have you guys done anything fun at all lately? Nothing fun. I've been camping all summer. It's, been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that the humidity is down a little bit. Campfires every night? Yes. Yeah. Almost every night. Yeah. We've been outside. All right. Good time to get outside. This morning we're going to begin with a brief devotional thought based on Romans chapter 5. I'll read verses 12 to 17. Paul writes, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment, which came from one offense, resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So this is some pretty meaty section. You know, we talked about cutting this down before we even started on this. But I think... uh, I think you kind of need the whole thing just to kind of understand the full thought that Paul's laying out for us here. And what he's kind of doing, first of all, is he's helping us understand the consequence of sin. You know, and I think in the Old Testament, this was a much, and even, you know, earlier in the New Testament, the consequence of sin was something that was very much more real for people. Um, you think about Luther's day, um, how how afraid people were of the consequences of sin, which was eternal death and hell. Think of the paintings of hell and so forth. Or you can go back um, to the Old Testament and look at the the sacrifices that were made um, to God, the sacrifices of blood and, and death, you know, because really what the, the wages of sin is death, as Paul says later on in, in Romans. And so understanding just the, the true consequence of sin and just how bad it is, is a, a big point that Paul makes. If you go through Romans 1, 2, and into 3, it, it's just law heavy. It is uh, sin, death, uh, punishment is on the way. And that's kind of Paul's point here is death through sin, death spread to all men because all sin. So um, he's saying there is no excuse, there's no excuse, there's no exception, there's no, uh, nothing, no way to get out of it. All of us are sinners. And because all of us are sinners, death spreads throughout the whole world. We had two funerals last week and Pastor Radical made the point uh, during uh, the fu- funeral on Saturday that this body right here is a very real consequence of sin. The reason why this life left this body is because there is sin in this world, and that individual was a sinner, and we are all sinners. And because we are all sinners, death is coming for every single one of us. And this is something that I think in modern society gets brushed under the rug or not thought about. Uh, my wife and I like walking through that uh, Glenview Cemetery uh, up the up the road up there, and a uh, uh, hundred years ago, you know, people were dying way way more often. It seemed like there's all kinds of children who, you know, they live 
one, two, three, four, five years, you know, a couple of years and they die, you know, and then uh, it's terribly sad. It's hard to imagine death being so much more a part of your life. But I think 100 years ago it just was. And that's more the case in human history today. We're pretty far reserved from death. You know, not a lot of people see people die when you're at a deathbed. It's pretty shocking and, and disturbing in many ways. Uh, and I think it's meant to be. Uh, death is meant to be disturbing. It's meant to rattle you and shake you because it's it's God uses those things to help you to understand what the true price for sin is. And the wages of sin is death. Uh, and that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. So all that law-heavy stuff to, to uh, start us off. But then he obviously comes to the free gift. And so let's work our way through here. I want to start with 13 because uh, the, the vicar here raised an interesting question before we even started which is, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So, maybe just start with these questions. When did, so until the law, sin was in the world. What, what does he mean, until the law? When the, did the law come? The law came to Moses when he was in the wilderness with the children of Israel. Right, right, which is, you know, if you think of Adam and Eve at the beginning, that's 4,000 B.C. or, or whatever, uh, Moses is much, much later than that, more around 1600, 1500 BC. And so we're not, you know, for 3000, or not 3000, 2000 some odd years, there was no written law, right? There was no codified law in the sense of the Ten Commandments all written down. And so he says, until the law, sin was in the world. So how can there be, how can there be sin if there is no law? So like in my house with the little kids right now, we're constantly having to make new rules because the kids are growing and doing new things. Like there was no rule of no jumping on the couch until the kids started jumping on the couch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or there was no rule, hey, no coming out of your bed at nighttime until they started coming out of the bed at nighttime. So you have to like make new rules as your family grows and, you know, as things develop. And so there, where there is no law, there is no sin. So the kids always have the excuse, right? Well, you never said we couldn't jump on the couch or you never said we couldn't hang from the tree 10 feet off the ground. You know what I mean? And so there's no law, so we can do whatever we want, right? Um, so how does this how does this track then? Because it says sin is not imputed where there is no law. If they didn't have the law of Moses, how could there be sin? You know, if you don't have the Ten Commandments, how can there be sin? How can they have broken the law? How could there be death? And so forth. Well, I think what I hit on right before we did start is God tells us in Romans as well that the law is written on our hearts. And it we didn't need the written law of Moses prior to Moses if we had been on the face of this earth at that point mm. to know that if I did something wrong that it was wrong God gave us all a conscience yeah. and that conscience would either convict us or what's the other word justify justify us yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's exactly Paul's point right he says since not pure there's no law but what death reign nevertheless death reign from Adam Moses why because they have I have a conscience. There's no excuse. Right. There's no excuse that, uh, well, I didn't know it was right. I didn't know it was wrong. Yes, you did. You have a conscience. God put that there. There is wrong. There is sin. And that's why death still reigned, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, which is, hey, a written down codified law, which the transgression of Adam is, don't eat from this tree. And he ate from the tree. <laughs> so, you know, That's the transgression of, of the likeness of Adam is, here's the rule. Don't do this. And he did it anyway. Um, and now, now in the law, in the Ten Commandments, and in the Old Testament and New Testament, we have God's Word, which helps sharpen and focus our conscience so that we can truly see what is right and wrong and how God would have us live. And so, 
then he gets into discussion between the offense and the gift, and he makes this comparison between uh, Adam, who is a type of the one who is to come. So maybe somebody want to talk about what's the what's the difference between a type and an anti-type, and how is Adam a type of the anti-type to come? Well, I mean to simplify it. Whenever I think of the type or anti-type, it's just the characteristics about the sinful individual that can help us focus on Christ. So when you think of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac, or about to sacrifice his son Isaac, it kind of gives us this picture of this type of what the Messiah would do, the type of Christ in that sense. And there's a lot of good examples of that in the Old Testament. And ultimately, just to comment and bring it back to that a little bit more, for the judgment part that comes through with this, you know, I, I think it's important when we talk about the gift, we talk about the covenant God made to Abraham. Because ultimately, when God made that covenant, it was it was like a contract between him and Abraham. I'm going to keep my promises to you. You be faithful to me. And ultimately, Abraham doesn't do that always perfectly. Obviously, with like Ishmael and Hagar and the different problems that he had as a sinful man. But ultimately, the covenant shows the, the law... The written law that Moses was given on Sinai basically intensified that contract. So you might look at it before, like, yeah, the law was written on everybody's heart, but that's like a subjective thing, kind of like you were saying with your kids. But now with the written law, it's like, clearly we have disobeyed this. There's no, there's, there's no legal standing before God. He's written his law. We've all disobeyed it. And so that law intensified needs to have pretty intense forgiven payment made. And that's where I think that transitions into that gift really well. So I'm saying what you guys are saying, just like in another way, just also to kind of make it clear in my mind too. So transitioning into the gift, you think of the judgment and then the justification. So uh, Paul's really setting up a good legal battle here to say, we all deserve judgment through the law. It was intensified at Sinai, and we know we were all guilty of it. But through justification in Christ, all been declared not guilty, which is that legal term again. And really, Paul goes on through the rest of this chapter and in the rest of Romans saying, believe it. It's done. Yeah, we're sinners. We're guilty. Christ has justified us. We're saved. And so it's not, when did I get saved? Yeah, we were saved on the, cry, on the cross, not a decision that I made on my own. We were all saved when Jesus justified us on the cross. Just believe it. I want to clarify something you just mentioned there. So we talk about covenants. You know, we talk about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant would be the Mosaic Covenant, which is given on Mount Sinai, the law laid out. And that's what he talked about with uh, before the law. That's the law, right? The Mosaic Covenant. The Abrahamic Covenant is the New Covenant, the same covenant as, as Christ, right? So the, the New Covenant, that's always the funny thing, is the New Covenant is actually older than the Old Covenant. <laughs> um, but the, the, the covenant that given through, well, given to Adam and Eve at the very, you know, in the garden, and given to Abraham, repeated Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and tracking on through David and so forth until the coming of Christ, that's, that's the, the one-sided covenant like we talked about, right? The, the Mosaic Covenant is a two-sided deal. Here's the law, you do that, I'll be your God, you be my people. And obviously we can't keep that co- our side of that covenant, um, which is the covenant of the law, unable to do it. But the, the, the new covenant, which is, comes through Christ, which is actually older than the old covenant again, uh, the new covenant comes, about, comes through his work on the cross, and it's a one-sided deal. So same thing with Abraham, right? God makes his covenant. They split these animals in half. They walk through them with the, the, the uh, spirit, and you know it's God working through Abraham, God working through 
the whole Old Testament, uh, children of Israel, in order to accomplish his purpose in, in the coming of Christ to rescue and redeem us. Question on 15 for you. So it says, uh, uh, for the free gift is not like the offense. So type any type, you know, there's similarities, but there's also differences. So he's saying, here's a difference. Uh, by one man's offense, many died, much more by the grace of God and uh, the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So is the, it says one man's offense, many died, and the gift abounded to many. Why doesn't it say all there? Because doesn't, didn't Jesus die for all people? Didn't, didn't uh, uh, one man's offense all die before? So what's the, why the, why the point many there? Well, many in English can mean like some, and it can mean like not all. So I think the English does a little bit of disservice there. Many there in the Greek is just multitudes. So you maybe should think we should think of many there as, as more than we could count. And it's really meant to be everybody. So I think the English kind of helps confuse us there with that word. I think I could say, too, the many does not cancel out the fact that Christ died for all. Um, we know from the Old Testament scriptures as well as the New that there are those that rejected what Christ did. So regardless of their rejection, Christ still died on the cross for them too. So just because it, whether the many means all or the many means multitudes, what Christ did applies to all. And I suppose you could say it in the same, another way, Many would reject that message, like you said, mm -hmm. and many would be declared right or made righteous because of, they, of their faith. Because of their faith. So maybe Paul's focusing more on the faith of the individual that is made righteous because of what Christ has done for them. Yeah. Good answer. Uh, uh, the only thing I thought I'd add to that is, you know, we think of many as, like you said, Pastor, many meaning not all, but I think when this, the Greek word here is many as opposed to few. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you think it's not a it's not a many, but not all. It's many as opposed to not very many at all. And, you know, it doesn't discount, as you said early in verse 12, it says, death spread to all men. And then later it says, one man's events, many died. You know, he's not saying two different things here. Obviously, it's one concise message. When he says many, he means all, just like he said a few verses ago. And so that same verse, when he says many is, again, it's still all. <laughs> uh, so the, the grace of Christ, of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to to many as opposed to few, and, and what he means by many is is all multitudes, as you say. Well, I think verse 17 speaks to that many as well. How much more those who receive the abundance of that grace and that gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's referring to that many there, those who rejoice in that grace of God, the abundance of the grace we have through our Lord Jesus. Yep. Another dissimilarity, dissimilarity, uh, difference that, that uh, uh, Paul points out in verse 16 the judgment came from one offense, resulting in condemnation, but the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. You know, so I, I always think, you know, Adam sinned once, and now there's all this consequence for everyone. But Jesus, he didn't do one righteous thing. He did his whole life of righteousness. And that bears out in verse 17, too, where he does this, this uh, he adds these things together. So those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life the one Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus didn't just, you know, and sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll ask the confirmation kids, why, why didn't Jesus just like zap down from heaven, die on the cross and then zap back up to heaven? 
And the answer is, well, he had, he had to live a perfect life. You know, he had to come and live as we did. He had to submit himself under the law. He had to be the perfect sacrifice, which meant he went through life just like us. He lived just like us. He ate, slept, cried, you know, uh, went through everything as we do, but all without sin. So he could be that perfect sacrifice. And that's, that's the act of obedience of Christ, which is the gift of righteousness that he mentions there. So the abundance of grace, the forgiveness of sins, he's through his work on the cross, the act of, or the gift of righteousness, his act of obedience. So now when God looks at us, <clears throat> our sins are wiped clean through Christ. And now when he sees us as having always done what is right and perfect in God's eyes, <clears throat> which is amazing, just an amazing thing that Paul says in Second Corinthians, that you are the righteousness of God in him, that you are just as righteous as God is. You are holy just as your Father in heaven is holy in the eyes of God, which is an amazing thing. So real beefy section here. Obviously, we've been talking for quite some time, but uh, any closing thoughts on it? Yeah, if you're just listening in with this and some of what we said maybe didn't make total sense, you know, open up Romans 5 and re-listen to this while you're reading through it because it's a lot easier to see when you're reading through it and understand it when you have it right in front of you. You can see what's going on. So hopefully that'd be helpful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of righteousness which you have won for us through your perfect life and through your death on the cross and through your glorious resurrection. Use that gift to motivate us to live as your children. Help us to be lights in this dark world, to be the salts of the earth that you have called us to, and bless us as we move forward as your children. Looking forward to that day when you will come again to bring us to yourself forever. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, a couple of weekly updates and reminders for you. Our online midweek Bible class continues this evening with the name of a city I can't pronounce. It's weird, and every time I try to read it, it's always, I always mess it up. It's Tabga, which is T-A-B-G-H-A. Uh, it's not a city that's spoken of a ton in the Bible, but it's where there was a, a really nice church that was built there. It's called the Church of the Multiplication, so it's where they believe Jesus fed the 5,000. So it's right near kind of by Capernaum and in, in that northwestern region of Sea of Galilee. Um, so a really neat church there to kind of commemorate that Jesus fed the 5,000. So we'll be spending time discussing that part of Scripture tonight, looking at pictures of that church and um, talking about that a little bit more. Do we need to know algebra to participate in the Church of the Multiplication? No. Okay. <laughs> Just check. Just check. Uh, last night we had a quarterly voters meeting. Uh, a couple of uh, highlights for you. Uh, the school has hired a new teacher aide, uh, Colleen Kranz, with the new the gift of their new baby girl, uh, has stepped back from all of her uh, work. She's still doing some of the some of the music teaching uh, aspects of it, uh, but she has uh, stepped back from some of the teacher aide stuff. So uh, the board of education called Deidre Macias, and she accepted the call to serve. Uh, as a teacher aide for the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade classrooms. <clears throat> so we thank God for the blessing to his church and school and pray that uh, she would be a blessing to us as we may be to her as well. Uh, I want to make an announcement. Uh, the Board of Ed is announcing we are co oping for fall sports with the newly opened Mankato Christian Academy. Uh, this school is a new school here in town uh, uh, that... Uh, is, has opened up and they're looking for a, a, the ability for a couple of their students to join in our fall sports, soccer, and uh, volleyball. Uh, we just wanted to bring it up to mention uh, there may be some questions or concerns about whether this is a, uh, something we should be doing or if it would be a violation of anything fellowship-wise. And uh, We know from God's Word that fellowship is a participation in church work and ministry, and uh, this is obviously just playing sports together, so this is certainly not any violation of the fellowship principle. Uh, we pray God's blessing upon our students and, and the students of 
Mankato Christian Academy as they uh, uh, play sports together this year and have fun and give all glory to God and all they do. Uh, coming up this next week, uh, the church roof is being done. Um, so there's VBS next week too, but there will be work done on the church roof. Uh, so please keep an eye out. There will be cones all over and uh, quite a few parking spots, especially the, the, the pastor's parking lot will be unusable next week. So please note that. Uh, keep an eye out as you come in and out of the building and uh, probably encourage you just to use the south entry doors, the school doors, because everything else is going to be coned off and uh, potential for falling uh, things from up on the roof up there. So uh, the school roof is also being done soon that the materials have already been placed up there, but uh, they don't have solid dates on what that'll be done yet. Uh, but hopefully this summer before school begins. Also want to announce that uh, we made our CVP budget for the, uh, the church year. So the CLC runs their budget from July through June. So that ended in June. Uh, we ended up with around $59,000. We budgeted for $52,000. So we praise God that we made that budget number and uh, pray that God would use the, the money that has been given to, the glory of, uh, to his glory and to the spreading of the gospel. Uh, and finally, there was a lot of discussion uh, Monday night about the choir policy. Um, we had a presentation done on certain perspectives on what that policy should entail. A presentation from the committee, the choir policy committee was given. And then finally, uh, a committee of the congregation was put together that will be meeting on August 14th um, at 7 p.m. here at church in order to pose questions and to present answers uh, and Bible passages to study the principles, the scriptural principles behind the choir policy. So the goal with this would be that uh, as a congregation we can come together and study those principles, those guiding fellowship principles that God lays out for us in his word that he clearly communicates to us and that so often we fail to understand or fail to apply in our lives that uh, we'd go back to God's word, we'd study God's word, and we can grow together as a congregation um, as we study this important topic and apply these, this, these principles to both the choir policy and everything everything we do as a congregation. So we pray God would bless those meetings and bless the study uh, of his word. As mentioned earlier, next week is VBS, so please keep that in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, we have a, a large group of kids coming in and uh, should be a blessing as we grow in God's word and as the kids uh, study, study that. Uh, <clears throat> the theme next week is going back in time to Jerusalem and we'll be going back in time to a couple different stories and uh, studying... Uh, how Jesus uh, rescued and redeemed us through his work on the cross and how we can apply that to our lives and, and uh, also how we can continue to grow in that understanding of God's word in the future. Finally, our prayer list today. Uh, we have a number of cancer patients we continue to pray for. Carrie Dale, uh, Pastor John Hine. Pastor Hine was here on Saturday for uh, uh, Gary Hanel's funeral, so we are good to see him and Pray that God will continue to bless him with health as he gets treatment for his cancer. Uh, we also pray for Will Rucker. Uh, lots of good news from Will lately. Things have been going pretty well, so uh, we pray that uh, God will continue to bless him. I know he's still getting treatments for that, for the cancer, trying to kill all the cells for, and get it all, all out of there. So uh, we praise God for that and pray things will continue to progress for him. We keep Marv lighting in our prayers. Uh, Marv's moved to more of a permanent situation down there at Pathstone, so please keep Marv in your prayers. Uh, we'll also keep praying for the family of Iva Gansky and Gary Hanel. As mentioned, we had two funerals last Friday and Saturday for Iva and then for Gary. Uh, pray the Lord bless their families with the comfort of the gospel, knowing that their loved ones are even now in heaven with their Lord Jesus. And then finally, the Nepal Mission Helper trip came back uh, within this last week. So we praise God that that all went safely and uh, pray that the gospel they spread over there would, uh, would uh, abound 
and accomplish his good and gracious purpose. Which brings us to our hymn of the day. Would anybody like to read our hymn today? Sure. Hymn 354. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering over the wrecks of time. All the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. When the woes of life o'ertake me, hopes deceive and fears annoy. Never shall the cross forsake me, lo, it glows with peace and joy. When the sun of bliss is beaming, light and love upon my way. From the cross, the radiance streaming adds more luster to the day. Bane and blessing, pain and pleasure, by the cross are sanctified. Peace is there that knows no measure, joys that through all time abide. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota. For more information about the ongoing activity here, we'd invite you to check out our website, emmanuelmankato.org. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you. <laughs>